uh, on the last episode, if I don't know, I'm not sure if calling them episodes is a thing to go, but I'm I'm just going to use that term now. Um, you know, you had mentioned the uh, with Obama that the shoes, and, mm-hmm. you know, and to be honest, I, I thought this was something that um, that maybe uh, you people knew or you know you had mentioned so many times. I really didn't bring it up, but um, considering it had, do you do you want to talk about how how that I don't know whole whole thing happened because. The one time you told me maybe it was quite a, wild. Um. Well, maybe maybe in another another chapter, because okay. it's it's a, a bit of a you know it's not a convoluted story per se, but it it just it like anything else dealing with <laughs> the government, it it can get kind of long winded, and then I don't want to. I, I think I'm probably for the sake of brevity, I, I want to try to find a way to you know condense it down to its uh, you know basic basic elements so that people say oh christ i gotta listen to this goddamn story again (laughs) (laughs) okay well well every every episode maybe we'll just give a little little um we'll make a little more progress towards then you know yeah that that'll keep listeners tuned in you know it's it'll be like yeah um, yeah I, i i i do say that i think one of the things that i have enjoyed most over the years of gaining some kind of traction with the with the general public is the uh, the, um, the the good fortune of being able to be interviewed by uh, a couple of uh, really good reporting people who've written stories about me in magazines and whatnot, and having uh, built up a friendship with a couple of them over the years and. You know, and just enjoyed the whole idea of uh, just talking about them and telling the, the story about shoes and whatnot. And uh, you know, that's always kind of a nice thing to walk away with the fact that you've uh, spent some time with a, a seasoned writer, storyteller, whatever you want, and um, having a a nice piece done about you uh, in in publications that are kind of well well read i would say so uh, right. that that that's just as much up there to some degree as as the, the situation with uh, getting shoes on a on the prez once upon a time so uh, anyway that's just a little sidebar so okay no no i i was gonna i mean i thought you were gonna hint at it's like a, a wonder some how some folks can really take you know i know i'm not the greatest storyteller but take what um one person says and really spin it into a really fascinating story that you you know would have could have never um told as eloquently so i i mean it's really a nice nice skill i'm, I'm sort of jealous yes, of those well it is and i and i admire these uh these couple of guys that i met uh, years ago and uh, so yeah um it's 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 amazing you know when you when you sit and you you do an interview whether it's in person or you do it over the phone or you do it in an office in New York or whatever it's um you, you sometimes you think to myself yeah how I don't know you got a lot of information yeah how are they going to weave it all together but they are the the quintessential craftspeople of 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 their business so uh, kudos to them Okay. Well, um, maybe then some, I guess, some, uh, I don't know if rapid fire is the right word. I mean, you, you can answer, well, maybe the questions themselves are rapid fire. I don't know about the answers, but okay. um, uh, 
I guess last episode I mentioned some you know some specific leathers, the museum or museo calf and oh museo the, calf, uh, yeah, Russian reindeer. You know, then, and then mm-hmm. I, I kind of stopped there. But what I mean, what are your well? There's like exotics and and all that which I I didn't get to. But I mean, I, I'm probably missing it. But how, how as for someone who's actually in the field, how would you kind of? I mean, it, do you all? I mean, mostly all work with your kind of standard leather, but what other sorts of, I guess, other leathers come come to mind? And I don't know, and, and anything like there's the exotics. I mean, I, I don't know which. Well, there's, yeah, there's a whole there's bunch. Yeah, I mean, the exotic, certainly. I mean, specifically for me, I, I really enjoy working with saltwater crocodile. It's like the cream of the crop. It, really? Okay. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's uh, the most expensive leather you can get right now. If you were going to make a pair of shoes for somebody, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about ten grand really? for a pair of shoes it, it, with, it, with saltwater crocodile. It, and is yeah. it because of um, the like the well? First of all, leather? it's expensive. It's okay. expensive. The saltwater crocodile oven by itself is expensive, and you have to buy different sizes based on the size shoe that the person is, has or foot size um, for the person you're making it for. So you, you they have certain cut uh, cutoffs with uh, sizing of skins and whatnot. So you have to kind of figure out what kind of yield you need to have in order to make the scales fit, look properly aligned and and whatnot. So there's a little bit of uh, finessing that you have to do and and a little bit of uh, homework that you have to do with respect to ordering the right skin size and um, making sure, obviously, you use a, a good tannery. So that's the thing with saltwater crocodile, and um, with calfskin, you you know it's just you get a fairly sizable piece of calfskin. They're usually anywhere from twenty to twenty-two square feet, and you have pretty much a, a blank palette, so to right? speak. Yes. So I mean, there are parts of the hide that you have to sh- should cut from depending on where the piece is going so an orientation uh, relative to the the backbone um, so that would be the next thing and um, you know some good suede stead suede uh, uh, a stead suede out of um, England makes some beautiful suede um, who else um, just trying to think there's um, along with uh, Calfskin, there are uh, pebble grains, which are basically calfskin that have just been embossed with the, the particular grain. And uh, in particular of those, I think the one that I find most interesting is what's called the caviar grain, which is a real fine um, sort of patterned after, after beluga caviar. Um, so they're kind of very interesting. And... Um, you know, there are some other leathers that you can use, but generally speaking, the, the stuff that uh, I would see out of Italy is is interesting. It's not always kind of in my wheelhouse, and 
the person who might order something like that might be a bit of a one-off, but there's different texturing patterns that uh, tanneries can use uh, that just gives something a little more oomph, so to speak, rather than a uh, a flat canvas, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, um, I, I was kind of like, is there like lizard or was it snake or something? Uh, is well, there is, yes. The people, most lizard seems to be used in either small leather goods, the boot trade, belt trade, and I'm trying to think what else. I don't know. I mean, for actual shoes, yeah, you could use it. Um, it's a little tricky uh, because you, you the the skin is pretty, um, I would say tender, maybe not the right word, but it's a little more fragile because uh, it doesn't have a lot of substance to it. Mm-hmm. So typically what you have to do is line it with something. So oftentimes what people do is use uh, a real light piece of kangaroo leather uh, on the underneath side uh, that you would never see uh, to add a little strength and whatnot. So uh, durability as well. Uh, a lizard is uh, it's just a, something I would gravitate towards in making a, a fine pair of shoes. I, I mean, if somebody wanted, I wouldn't say no, but it's just not something I would recommend for Got people. I've seen I've seen shoes made out of uh, perch skins, the fish perch. Uh huh. And there, there, yeah, there was a tannery in Italy. This is this goes back a lot of years. That they were using uh, somehow. They figured out a way of you know taking the the skin off the the fish and uh, figuring out some way to tan it and stitch diff, uh, skins together to make. I mean, they were still fairly small pieces of leather. Uh, well, leather, I guess that's a little bit of an anomaly there, but um, or a contradiction. But it, uh, it, it it's it, it's very weird. That's all I can say. It's just, um, you know, yeah, no, maybe I'm, you can okay. maybe you can put the shoes in the bathtub and give them a little swim once in a while <laughs> or whatever. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was a little bit of a faddish thing. Simply, I think because somebody said, "Oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this and." Um, you know, just to prove, just to prove it can be done, it can be done sort yeah. of thing like that. But well, obviously, how, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes that's how things things happen in fashion. I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. like the. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. oh, that's that's interesting. Um, and I, I'm curious about the uh, the croc, uh, saltwater crocodile. Like for that, mm-hmm. is that? I mean, um, is that? Does that also come from Europe? as well or is that well the tanneries in europe uh, have it um or will tan it certainly most of the from um the crocodile is mostly a a southeast asian species australia has it uh some of the 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 indonesian islands and whatnot Uh, it, it it tends to kind of like the american alligator in florida it likes those swampy areas and Right. muddy rivers and things like that but they grow much larger not i wouldn't say much larger they're they're a little larger species than american alligator now there is an american crocodile as well but it's um i mean it's it's, it's still obviously within that 
that species, but it uh, it's a little there's some variance in it, and I don't know exactly what specifically it is. But the thing about saltwater crocodile, and I don't know whether this is true about the American crocodile, saltwater crocodile actually has an uh, the the way it uh, absorbs um, water and hydrates itself, it ha actually has a little pore on the scale. Each scale has a tiny little pore that allows this, this, the, the crocodile to stay hydrated and to stay underwater, I think, for a while. I don't know all the specific mechanics about uh, the, the hydration aspect of the pore, but it's it's unique to that species. Nile crocodile doesn't have it. American alligator oh, doesn't have it. Fascinating. Okay. And, and so maybe that's like, that's why you specified saltwater crocodile as being like the really nice one. Cause yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah, it's definitely the, the, uh, the top tier in, in my opinion. Okay. Cause I, you know, I always assume like, Oh, that's, it's expensive because it's like unusual, not necessarily that because, but now it's, interesting note no thank you for sharing i, I you know a um, different yeah. conclusion so yeah they're i mean they're they're raised on uh farms uh they actually have farms that they're, they're called aquaculture because they also uh, people eat the meat of crocodiles and alligators mm -hmm. so, so again like cattle the 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 skins are uh, uh, part of the part of the carcass that can be utilized for people who have these uh, these these farms that to have the, the skins tanned and colored to specifications and things like that so it's another revenue source so uh, other than that you know they would have to you know, wind up just putting them in a big pile I guess and you know getting rid of them or something but so yes every little part of the animal pretty much gets used up some way or another okay fascinating ah. so um i guess on the other spectrum i mean we were talking about nice um you know nice interesting leathers and different leathers um i mean what do you know of those um i don't know i'm not sure if it's a fad anymore but or like I don't think it's necessarily nice, but maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's that leather that it's not patent leather, but it's like leather that looks like kind of I don't know, very shiny, kind of hard, plasticky. That seems like you just don't need to you don't polish it or something. I'm not really sure. Is that a thing? Like well, it is a polish? thing. It it's a patent leather. The the patent leather that we see today is different, to my knowledge. Okay, right. Than the yeah, patent yeah. leather that of old, right. uh, patent leather was done in in stages and whatnot that uh, actually created the um, the the patina, if you want to call it that, right on the leather to, in the tanning process. Whereas the patent leather that's used used today, and you see it probably a little bit more in some of these women's high fashion shoes some of the designer shoes and it, there's actually a coating now that's sprayed on they get the color of the leather when during the tanning process and the finishing process and then as part of that last process of finishing there's a, a, a 
for a better word, I guess, a lacquer that's uh, sprayed onto the leather to give it that patent look. And the problem is, if it's a light color, a lot of women who have been buying uh, the different Labouton shoes and uh, other designer shoes that are made with this new version of, of patent, they, if, it's a, if it's a real light color, like a flesh color or something white or whatever, what happens is it's very prone to staining in between the layers and you can't get it out. So, but it it kind of, it, it had its trajectory and I think in some respects it's kind of losing its favor again. So, um, yeah, I mean, and there was also something years ago called Naugahyde, which was, they were making uh, upholstery leather with it. And uh, it was somewhere in between part leather, part synthetic. Uh, but, you know, that's another story, I guess, for another time. Uh, okay. So, I mean, the the patent leather of old, I guess you were referencing, is that, does that still exist or is that something that's kind of like... It it's, it's, uh, it's gone the way of the dinosaur, to my knowledge. I, I haven't seen any, I haven't seen any genuine patent leather in, geez, at least 20 years. Oh, okay. Unless so, some, unless somebody's had a pair of shoes in their closet <laughs> that has been at least twenty years old and is the is the real deal. But yeah, I haven't I haven't seen real patent leather. In okay. And, and and even the stuff they're using for uh, military dress shoes now, they they're all using this kind of kind plastic. Of shortcut. Got it. Yeah, shortcut. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it comes sometimes. It comes in in. in pretty good size sheets so you the yield on it is pretty uh pretty expansive uh, as far as the number of uh, what they call clicks on the on the hide uh clicks meaning the, the, the process of clicking out cutting out the, the individual parts so and it's relatively inexpensive so uh, you know so that's that's what's being used today mm. okay interesting because i mean i guess i you know the, the patent leather I've seen or anything that, you know, seemed to be, um, I guess, trying to emulate patent leather, it never felt right. It always felt a little off. And, and maybe it's because, you know, as you said, it, it just, the, yeah, the, the, it, it isn't the same anymore. It's something completely different. No, it's definitely not. Yeah, and it, it, it tends because it's, I don't, I, I'm not sure of the chemistry as far as that, that top coat. I don't know if it's considered a polymer that's sprayed on there or whatever it is to give it that that shine, that patent look. But it tends to, the other the thing is to, it tends to crack um, somewhat easily. Um, so the, the lifespan of a patent leather shoe today or what we would call a patent leather shoe is not as robust as uh, it's, predecessor was back in the day so consequently it's what you're getting is somewhere between leather and somewhat leather somewhat plastic so got it all right nature of the beast yeah okay so viewers you now now you know um okay well okay the other thing i wanted to ask was uh the bottom of uh, a dress shoe i mean now i guess uh, I, i don't know if rubber or you know i think it's rubber but you know that uh, or maybe maybe it's something else, but if that has actually overtaken in popularity the the leather sole bottom, um, I think 
I think I think because there is a, a, a plethora of options out there, maybe not. But you've got people in the UK like um, uh, the Day Night people. I can't remember the actual name of the company, but Day Night's uh, the, you know, the brand of the, the bottom that they use. Uh, you've got Viber making things. You've got uh, this company in France that's using uh, oh, it's using milk from rubber plants uh, to make these natural rubber bottoms that are all um, you know, done through, through sustainable farming in, on these plantations and uh, whatnot and cured and done in all kinds of colors. So there are options today for people, especially uh, people up in the Northeast who live in wet and cold climates uh, after Say October, November, December. You know, well into the first part of, a, of any new year. So they want to just have something that kind of keeps the dampness away, keeps the moisture away, and um, don't have to worry about you know getting the, the shoes uh, too wet. Especially as you know, uh, being a New Yorker, uh, how snow melt can happen uh, very quickly in the city, and you've got these practically small rivers that you have to navigate over yes. uh, at the intersections of yes. the street. So, uh, and it's, sometimes it's just unavoidable. So, yes, there's some nice options out there today for people who want to have a shoe specked out with a rubber bottom. Okay. Any particular, I guess, recommendation if, say, someone was uh, making or someone wanted to, to buy a boot and, you know, it's kind of for, like, rainy weather or harsher weather or you know snow like what would you i guess recommend for um i guess i don't know protection is that right there or i would yeah i would i would say you know go with either a day night or a vibram bottom something that can be stitched on as opposed to just an adhesive process and uh which is the nice thing you can do with either one of those um, products and uh, I mean, there are soles yes, that you can just do a stuck-on process with adhesives, but the the stitch down, just like you would for any kind of Goodyear construction, is uh, the the best option to go with. So uh, I would say the last bit of product literature I got from the day night people, they um, they still have their standard bearer patterns of uh, rubber bottoms. Uh, some are a little more aggressive than others. Uh, and um, they did add a few new uh, patterns uh, to their selection and some different options as far as thickness uh, of, of the actual sole itself. I mean, some of them are uh, some of them are quarter inch, some of them are an eighth of an inch. And, and like Vibram even has like a stuck on bottom even though you could sew it if you had to, that's uh, no more than an eighth of an inch. So if you kind of want to have that look of a, sort of a pure play dress shoe and just have this thin rubber bottom put on it, that's a nice way to go too. So there's there's some nice options out there for uh, a lot of the, the, the shoes and most seems like most guys who are buying, say, a chuck-a-boot or a 
just a nice, uh, say, eight eyelet uh, lace-up boot. Kind of like to have maybe a little bit of a rugged sole on it, just to kind of keep the dampness away and keep the traction and whatnot. So the only other thing they got to figure out is uh, uh, something that's going to work on uh, ice. Although I think Vibram, the last time I read something in some bulletin somewhere or trade paper was that Vibram has been working on doing some kind of a compound that supposedly is slip proof. I know they have it on, I know that, I know they have something that they advertise on their, some of their pure, I don't know, it's not, Vibram doesn't make actual boots itself, they just make the rubber, but I've seen some boots advertised with Vibram uh, uh, non-slip soles guaranteed on ice for hikers that are real serious into the wild kind of people that uh, they, they Vibram contends, will not uh, slip on ice. Oh, okay. Wow. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised that, you know, someone out there has kind of uh, attempted to do that because I imagine there, I mean, there are professions that probably, you know, work on ice and, you know, maybe need, need that. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I I guess one other thing is uh, I wanted to ask about, I guess sort of related with the bottom, but the, the stitching that is Mm -hmm. um, stitched around, I mean, I guess a while ago there was you know this big discussion about um, like stitches per inch and and whatnot. Oh Jesus, yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> like I don't know how you could get someone God like back back in the day. I don't know you had you know probably in some museum somewhere you have some shoes with some ungodly amount of stitching and and whatnot. I, I'm curious. Um, well, does like this actual amount of stitches you can fit in a square or per inch like? What, what difference is that? Does, does it make any? Um, like, as, as uh, you know, I, 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 yes, I think like anything else, because if you put too many stitches too close together, you, what you're going to wind up doing is perforating the leather. Now, granted, sole leather is a whole different creature than upper leather, but oftentimes you'll see product failures both in men's and women's shoes because the machine operators, for whatever reason, uh, or whether they didn't think this thing through uh, when it came time to spec out the the situations for stitching. Uh, so if you start having, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think what uh, some really small, close, close stitching on uppers on the tops of shoes, women's shoes, men's shoes, what happens is that, you know, the needle literally will perforate the leather and it'll tear apart uh, through no fault of your own. So that's one thing. And the same thing actually can happen on sole leather. So there is a certain threshold that you have to understand about when it comes to stitches per inch. Uh, You know, is is eight enough? Is, Is six better? Is 10 even better than that? I... I, I can't say for certain, but you you don't. I don't think you have to go crazy with uh, this really t- 
tiny, tiny fitting these things into the, this, this, this you know, stretch of welting, let's say, if, when you could do it, if you're doing an outsole. So um, sometimes less is more in certain cases, and I don't think, for the most part, uh, you know, unless somebody's a real heady nerd about shoe construction, stuff like that, most people, you know, they want the shoe to fit properly, they want it to look good, they want it to, to, to be what they realize in the world of, uh, you know, custom and, and obviously stylish and everything. So I think, I think it, as you alluded to, it can get overthought mm -hmm. okay. a bit too much. No, no, that's, that's very nice to get your, your opinion. Uh, the, the other, I guess, what, I guess the welt is maybe what, what I'm referring to, you know, the, the, um, I guess, uh, hmm. I guess I'll just have a, have a picture, but, that like those ridges around the the edges of the shoe bottom, um, mm -hmm. like is that decorative or I mean like yes could, okay so, so you could just have a very I guess a small because I guess I've seen I don't know it they're like the you know really formal I guess black shoes that the welt is mm -hmm. very small so it's it's it looks I guess a little more. I don't know, elegant or formal. It, I mean, I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. Is that the part that sticks out purely decorative? And I guess your answer is yes. Yes, it is decorative at this point. I mean, most of that stuff uh, at the end of the process, when they do what's called the wheeling, um, there, there's a machine and they have different um, wheel heads that you can put on it uh, that have the, the number of actual indentations uh, from small, medium, large to, and uh, even fine maybe it's fine medium fine medium medium large but whatever so yeah you, you can get down pretty tiny and some guys who do it by hand uh just kind of like that kind of delicate touch like and it, you know it, as you say it looks nice on certain shoes um but too much as i said is not necessarily bad it's just I don't know that it's that's necessarily needed in, in my opinion, but to each his own. You know, everybody's got a you know has, has their own sort of house look and house way of doing uh, doing their work. So to, for, uh, I'm not going to say it's wrong. It's mm -hmm. just it's just different. Okay. Well, um, I guess just want to make sure. It, I would. Uh, I guess not necessarily referencing the amount of space between the ridges. I guess. The amount of space mm -hmm. between the edge of the welt and the leather of the shoe does that make any oh difference? yeah well that can be that can be somewhat subjective too i uh, I would say there's uh, I think my rule of thumb is is when you hold or say if you have the shoe on your foot and you're looking down at it, you want to see a bit of the welt poking out, not too much, not too little it's like anything else it's a balancing act, just like life. Fair. That's 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 a that's a fair. And I guess you know that that's kind of what I um, like about you know your shoes that balance. As I probably alluded to many episodes ago, it's kind of the things that you go for, which which is nice. I mean, it's it's sort of a, like an ephemeral kind of uh, word, but as I mentioned, yeah. you, you notice when things are out of balance, and it's something that you don't necessarily oh, know what they are. Definitely. And, yeah. It's, yeah. 
Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I, I personally, what I do for my customers when I'm finishing shoes is I actually put them on the floor and I actually look at them yes. as if I were wearing them so that I'm, I'm getting their perspective when they have them on or, you know, if I have, you know, crossing my, my, my feet, sitting in a chair or something like that. So I turn it around. I, t- I look at it from the back, looking forward. I, uh, there's a lot of things that I just kind of tend to do. Uh, maybe I'm being a little too anal about it. I don't know, but that's just kind of the way I need to perceive the shoe. And obviously, as I said, I've got to know my customer over the uh, course of, a, of uh, several months. So uh, I need to be able to know how they're going to react. And you know, the the process that I go through to get things proportional and balanced. Sometimes a you know, customer comes in, puts the shoes on, and they, they don't notice it. I mean, some do, but some don't. You know, again, I, I think for the most part, you know, they want things to look nice. They want it to have a nice look on their foot. They will obviously want it to be comfortable and uh, the right color. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a lot about, uh, you know, again, just kind of getting getting back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's that's like, a, I mean, yes, no one, no one, maybe no one notices, but I don't know, even for me, as I work on my little projects, everyone says like, oh, no one's going to notice this, whatever. But to me, it'll just bother the hell out of me because I notice it. And yes, if no one else is, that's, I mean, fine, but I notice and I don't know, it, it would just bother the heck, heck out of me if I didn't fix it. So I, so I mean, right. I, I appreciate it. Even if I don't necessarily notice what changes you made, um, it's it's nice that I guess, you know, we're paying for the care and you know, your, I don't know, judgment, which I, I trust. So, um, I don't know, it's, it's appreciated. Well, even if yeah. I guess I, I, and we, people don't notice, I think it's, you know, I, I think as designers and, and I, as designers and makers, we're, we're always our, our own worst critic, or at least maybe we should be. Um, so, yes, I have a bit of a perfectionist gene there that's uh, poking at every once in a while, so I have to pay attention to it. And, yes, it would bother me if something isn't quite where I would like it to be uh, in a finished product. So you, you, you fix it. You know? So yeah. that's... Anyway, I, I get that. So, mm-hmm. so um, maybe I don't know. I guess I, I, since we're on the subject, I, I don't know how long this this particular a- uh, answer will be. I'm kind of curious. You've said you've done many uh, shoes, uh, many more than I thought you had done in your career. So I'm I'm curious. Is there any one that or few that stand out as the most difficult that you've done? Mm-hmm. Ooh, probably, but I need. I would probably have to uh, think about it. Have a couple shots of tequila and ponder <laughs> that. <laughs> no, no worries. There'll be there'll be other episodes, listeners. Yeah, so yeah, is, well, well, I'll tuned. keep that in the back of my gray matter and okay. see what I can uh, what I can uh, come up with somewhere down the road. So yeah, maybe we maybe it's a good place to kind of kind of shut it down for the sure, for the, sure. for the yeah. weekend and whatnot and uh, I gotta get get on my merry horse here and find myself some 
some dinner for the evening, so that will be that. Understood. Well, thank you, Perry, once again. Um, it's a pleasure to, to have you, and hopefully the um, listeners feel the same. So thank you. Well, good. I'm hoping, hoping your uh, followers out there in, uh, <laughs> in blog land or whatever they call that uh, sphere, blogosphere, is that the correct word? I don't know. Um, but anyway, I hope they're enjoying what you're uh, sending them out to uh, to listen to and um you know we'll, we'll pick it up next week i'll probably get in touch with you on monday and uh kind of see how my schedule's going for the week and see what days we can pull together all right all right, all right. well thank you perry and you're it, welcome it was all you it was all you it, this has all been you so thank you couldn't, couldn't all right so you. We'll have a good rest of your weekend i'll talk to you next week all right take care Bye-bye. have a good weekend bye <laughs>